Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. Is love truly blind? The Netflix reality TV show was a fascinating look at love, compatibility, and attachment style. Hear my take on each person and their relationship in the show and use this to learn how to date more effectively in your love life. Hello, ladies. I'm excited to have a really fun chat tonight about Love is Blind. So if you haven't seen the show and you know that you want to see it and you don't want to be have any spoilers alert or whatever, <laughs> you don't want to know what's going to happen, then um, maybe cover your ears for part of this. But you can always listen to this and go back and watch it. I don't want to, to ruin the show by sharing what's going on, but it'll be really hard to say without, um, without divulging the characters. So welcome, everyone. And... What I think about this show is really cool is that you can't see the other person before you decide to get married. And so it really forces emotional intimacy. And some of the couples and some of the people really took advantage of that. And I feel like some of them haven't. Um, it was amazing. I was riveted. I normally don't love reality TV, but I really loved this one because A, I love love and B, I appreciated that for the most part, they kept it pretty real. Like there wasn't a lot of really fast takes or tons of heavy drama. There was natural drama that came up, but it didn't feel like it was a typical reality show where they were feeding, feeding the drama. The TV show on Netflix pairs people in pods and they can't see each other. And the only way they get to see each other is if they propose, one of them proposes and they say yes. Now, when they see each other in person, they can always say no and, um, and, and not go forward with it. But what I loved about the show is that it forces emotional intimacy. And you could see that some people really got there and some people didn't quite as much. But for every time that a relationship really took off, it was when there was some vulnerability. So for instance, Cameron and Lauren, they, there were, they were both shedding tears and that really created this bond between them. Or Amber told a really personal story about her past relationship when she was matched with Barnett and that really made things take off. So this level of emotional vulnerability and pretty much all of the couples really sparked something. Um, the, there were two couples where there wasn't a lot of emotional vulnerability, at least in the pods. And those couples didn't seem to, to make it um, because they didn't have that bond. They talked about fun things or they talked about, you know, where they were from. Commonality is not enough. Like just having similar interests or just having a similar background doesn't create that, that level of attachment, that level of intimacy emotionally that leads to the physical intimacy. So I love the concept. I love the way that it was done. It was really high quality reality TV show in, in my opinion. And I'm not sure how much of it was editing or how much was actual truth, but it was really interesting to see how everything played out. I'll start with, I'll start with the first, the first couple that's coming to mind that I want to start with is Kelly and Kenny. So Kelly and Kenny, we got to see snippets of them in the pods and they both seem really sweet and wholesome and like a good values match or a good energy match. Um, they bonded and particularly over this book that they both loved when they were young, which is cute, but also 
not super deep. I mean, I love it. It's, it's sweet, but it's not like a deep emotional share. And they were very cutesy the whole time. Like at one point she was kind of feeding him food, like an airplane. And I was like, Oh my God, are you his mother? (laughs) But it was just interesting how their relationship was very, very cutesy. And again, spoiler alert, but at the end, their relationship did not happen. And she said that she didn't find him attractive. But I don't think he knew that because he was acting pretty shocked and and pretty pissed. And my takeaway from that is that if you're now feeling someone physically, don't keep going and keep going and keep going. I mean, it's worth it maybe for a few dates to see if something sparks because the emotional intimacy can make us fall in love with someone even more. But if you have the emotional chemistry and the physical is just not there, there's only so long that you can hope that it's going to you know, come up. She had a baggage and history of choosing the wrong guys. Yes. And I feel like that played out. Like she was looking for really strong physical chemistry and she wasn't having it, but they didn't show us on the screen that she had told him that they showed a scene where in Mexico, they were talking about not, not having sex and waiting until they got married. But this whole time they made it seem like Kelly was doing that because she was, you know, that was a value of hers, but it turns out she was doing that because she wasn't attracted to him. So I was like, whoa, um, I could totally get it if they both agreed not to have sex until after they got married. And it was because they have the similar value or they have a Christian value around that. But it turns out she didn't have sex with him because she wasn't attracted to him at all. So that made me feel, um, like, ooh, ouch, <laughs> that they didn't have that conversation. And then if you saw the reunion episode, in the reunion episode, she said, well, we had both decided and agreed in advance that it was going to be a no. And I was thinking, I don't, they didn't show that. So why, if they had both said it was going to be a no, why would they go through with it? Unless the producers made them, you know, made them go through with it. So that's an example of emotional intimacy without physical intimacy and withholding. She was withholding her truth of how she felt about him and and using something else to kind of cover, cover up how she felt. Most people would rather know if you're not attracted to them, you don't have to say, I'm not attracted to you. You can just say, I'm not feeling the things I would want to feel for this to be romantic. Now, why any of the couples said yes, when they saw each other for the first time, if they weren't feeling it, you know, I think they probably were hoping that there would be sparks. You know, we don't always know if their sparks are going to build, if they're going to go away, like if the connection's going to get hotter and hotter, you could definitely tell with some couples, the connection got, got hotter and hotter. So that was my take on Kenny and Kelly is that they both seemed like they had a secure attachment style, but at the end of the day, I think maybe Kelly was being a little bit avoidant by avoiding that difficult conversation about, you're not really my type. I've never dated someone like you. And, you know, I'm not really attracted to you. And it's, it's hard for me to want to make it physical. Mark and Jessica had a similar situation where Jessica wasn't that into Mark physically, but she at least was real about it and honest about it and told him like, I'm just not there physically. I'm just not sure if I can get there, but I'm open to seeing where it goes. So that felt a little bit you know, more true in that, in that circumstance. Um, but let's talk about Mark and Jessica next. (laughs) So Mark and Jessica, what I loved is that they did have a lot of commonality and similar values. They both, both wanted to raise their children in the church. They talked about their future and what they wanted. 
And she grilled him. Like she talked a lot about, you know, how do you feel financially? How do you feel about kids? You know, she was not afraid to ask the deep questions, which I thought was awesome. Like it's okay to ask those questions. And he didn't flinch from those questions. He was like, I love you. I'm committed. I'm in this. Like he would reassure her. And it just shows to me that when a man is, is committed and you're having these deep conversations, it enhances things. He's not you know, the healthy masculine is not scared of having these challenging discussions. He's inspired by it. And he wants to protect you from your own fears or, or your own um, insecurities. But at the end of the day, you know, she wasn't able to follow through on that. She didn't feel like it was, it was going to be the right fit. Could she have told him that sooner? Maybe, but on the other hand, you know, she was very upfront with him the whole time that she wasn't totally feeling it on the, on the physical. Um, yes, I think it could have ended before the altar. Like Nicole said, I don't think it had to be that day. That was kind of heartbreaking. Like she could have told him maybe, you know, a few days before, like, Hey, I'm just, I'm not feeling it. Um, Again, who knows if they made them go through with that for the show or not, or if they got like bonuses if they got to the altar or something. But I think that that um, it could have happened sooner. You know, on a side note, I felt like with Jessica's, I wanted to say character, but it's, it's not a character. This is a person. And so I want to be in integrity as I, as I talk about these relationships and about these people, because I'm not intending to gossip or to put anyone down. But it felt like she was really attracted to unavailable guys, that she was maybe more in an anxious style of attachment where she wanted someone who wasn't totally into her, like Barnett at the beginning. And she wanted someone based on having fun and feeling the butterflies. And and she was really devastated when the guy who was going to propose to her or said he was going to propose to her didn't. It's a really good reminder to not get ahead of ourselves. I mean, how many of us have had a date where the guy's like, oh my God, I can't wait until we, you know, take a hot air balloon ride together. And I can't wait until we travel the world together. And I can't wait till we have babies. And early in the relationship, the guy's making all these promises into the female heart and body that feels so sexy. We're like, oh my God, someone who really cares for me and cherishes me. And like, we're going to make it happen. But it's a good example of how like Barnett was saying, you know, I'm going to propose to you. And then he didn't. I, I sometimes like believe it when you see it. I know our mindset is really important and we need to have a faith based mindset of knowing we're worthy of love and going to be in a great relationship, but not attaching that to one particular person. Because if we attach, oh, yeah, it's going to be my person and he's going to propose to me then they might be be kind of just saying that to test things out. I don't think guys are doing that manipulatively, but they are kind of just seeing what our response is going to be. So Kenny felt really secure in his attachment style. Kelly felt pretty secure, except that she was withholding and, and a bit avoidant about this topic of her attraction to him. Jessica and Mark, Mark felt like he had a pretty secure attachment style. He was really committed, like from the beginning, even when she was attracted to other people, he was like, I don't care. I'm in this for you. This is what I'm into. And I know that you're the one, which I thought was really sexy, his level of commitment. But then she seemed to maybe have a bit more of an anxious attachment style and attracted to people who are more avoidant. And that anxious is like hot and cold. And again, maybe it's how they cut the program or the episodes, but it felt like, oh, she's into Mark. She's not into Mark. She's into Mark. She's not into Mark. And we all go through that in some ways, but I felt, I felt for her not maybe having the clarity that she needed in the process. And it was not cool the way that she still tried to see if Barnett was interested in her, even after the fact that was a hell no, like 
don't do that. You you would never do that. Anyone watching this. So I'm just saying, you know, I, I can appreciate how Amber was upset about Jessica talking to Barnett and, um, and figuring, you know, like trying to figure out if Barnett was still interested. We will probably never always understand why one of our exes wasn't interested in us or lost interest in us. I think trying to analyze why someone from the past let us go is really hard and really painful for most of us. So it's better to just let it go. Um, but it feels like it was maybe up in her face of how, you know, there was someone that she was attracted to and it wasn't the guy she was engaged to. Don said, I was surprised they had sex. Yeah, I was actually surprised that they were intimate. Maybe that was her way of trying to see if she could build on that connection or could build, could build on that intimacy. You know, she revealed, Jessica revealed that she had um, felt abandoned by her father when she was young because he, he left her mom when she was pregnant. And I think that weighed on her a lot, obviously. And it, it, created a, an attraction to men who are not fully available like Barnett. And she said at one point, she's like, I really like that he's a player. And I thought, what? Why do you like that he's a player? Maybe she's attracted to that, but that doesn't make me feel safe. That wouldn't, that wouldn't inspire me to want to connect more. Um, so we've talked about Kelly and Kenny. We've talked about Jessica and Mark. And now let's talk about Gigi and Damien. <laughs> Their relationship was really spicy, always having little dramatic moments and always having um, an underlying sense of tension. And they seemed to have a lot of passion when they were on, but when they weren't on, when they were fighting, they were, that passion was, that, that bickering was keeping them apart. And what I noticed the most in this couple, Gigi and Damien, Giannina and Damien, is that they projected all over each other. Instead of saying, you know, I feel really hurt, they'd say, you, 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 um, you know, you do this, you never do that. Even after the very end of the very of the last episode, the marriage episode, when they were talking at the very end, he was like, you're running away, you're doing this. And so they were both guilty of that, both Damien and Gigi we're using you all the time and kind of pushing each other's buttons and projecting onto each other instead of taking responsibility for how they felt and opening up and being vulnerable. I love the idea of this couple, like the idea of them being feisty and fiery and stubborn and all of those things. But the practicality of it was where they ran into a lot of, a lot of issues. Now I will say she has major, major courage like she was honest about sex you know, she brought it, she brought it up, maybe not in the best way, but she brought up that she wasn't being satisfied, that she wanted to have, have more sex and wanted him to initiate more. And then at the end, when they didn't get married and he said, no, she was embarrassed for like an hour or however long it was 30 minutes. And then she came back and was like, we're going to talk about this. I was, my mind was blown. I mean, maybe it's just my ego, but I was thinking if someone did that to me, if someone said no on the altar, I would have a really, really hard time getting over my pride and communicating with them and talking to them again. But she was totally willing to get feedback and to grow and to learn. And um, this is an example of where they got back together after that. So again, spoiler alert. Maybe you saw the reunion the last episode. They are still together. They're dating. They just chose not to get married. So she was willing to be vulnerable, willing to speak her truth, 
maybe didn't do it in the best way in terms of projecting and using you statements, but willing to learn and grow and willing to trust her partner's masculine leadership. He was leading, you know, the, the relationship by saying, I don't think you're ready for marriage. I don't think we're ready for marriage. And instead of her blaming him for that, they both got really honest and they both worked on their stuff, which I really, I admire and I really appreciate. I just felt like the most surprising one, the, that couple. I was not expecting him to say no. But that was also an example of this hot and cold dynamic of he wooed her a lot at the end. He planned this amazing date the day before the wedding or two days before the wedding. And he was like, I don't know how you feel. You know, are you on the same page? And she's like, I'm not sure. I'm just going to keep you guessing. And then he was the one <laughs> that um, that ended up saying no. So that was a huge shocker. And I, I felt sad. Like I really wanted him to say yes, but I can see why he didn't. And I'm glad that they got together um, at the end. I think if they had given themselves better tools, like almost like couples counseling or, or knew some of the things that we talk about in this group and that I work with on my clients, I think they made it, they maybe could have gotten there. They could have said yes together on the altar if they had a better way to communicate and a better way to stay in their own lane, so to speak, and really talk about their needs. But it's a good example of how even though they had fights and things were going, you know, kind of wrong at certain points, they were really devoted to being upfront with each other, being honest and not withholding, not, not holding back. But there was this, I feel like they were, I feel like Gigi was a little bit anxious, you know, up and down and, and he was a little bit avoidant, like not telling her how he felt or the job thing. There was an episode in, in um, Mexico where she could tell something was on his mind and she was like, tell me, tell me, tell me. And he was like, no, no, it's fine. It's nothing. And she kept digging in him and it created this big fight. Um, and truthfully he was withholding. He wasn't telling her about this stress about his job, but again, it created a lot of drama. So maybe it could have been handled in a different way where, you know, she would say something like, I love you so much. And it feels hurtful when I can tell that there's something going on with you and I don't know what it is. So I trust you. You'll tell me when you're ready, but I just want to let you know that this hurts my body. It feels bad in my body to know that there's something on your mind that, that I don't know. And, and you're not sharing with me. Um, it takes a ton of grace and courage to be able to just trust our partner and not like get to the bottom of it. I'm so guilty of that. I also have, or have had more of an anxious attachment style. And I, when I feel like there's something going on with my partner, I want to know, um, maybe to protect myself, maybe to try to swoop in and help neither of which are really great. You know, it's better to just say, okay, I trust you. Here's what's on my heart. Like you'll tell me when you, when you tell me, um, Yes, it was a true honoring of the masculine holding the feminine. I agree with that about him, you know, him saying no and him um, saying we're not, you know, we're not ready as a couple. So I loved his masculine leadership. I also really loved Mark's masculine, that he was just totally committed to Jessica, no matter what was going on with her, her ups and downs. And I also really loved Kenny's masculine. I think that they had some really strong masculine um, qualities and examples on the show. I, I appreciated that. Side note, I mean, is it realistic that everyone there was attractive and 35 and under and, you know, all of these things? Probably not. It wasn't a true experiment, but I do think it was um, within those boundaries. It was a cool experiment to see, you know, the age difference, the older uh, the one, not older, but the 34 year old Jessica with the 24 year old Mark. She made a bigger deal out of it than he did. 
she didn't really care about the age difference so much. I mean, he didn't really care about it so much. She did. So a lot of times I'll talk with women who are in their late thirties or early forties and they'll be like, Oh my God, I can't date someone younger than me. But if you can get past that, there's a lot of amazing guys in their like mid thirties and, and upwards and downwards who don't really care about age. I mean, I work with a lot of women who are in their fifties and date guys in their forties and it works out really well. So Side note about the age thing. Uh, let's talk about Cameron and Lauren. Yay! <laughs> Cameron and Lauren were so cute. I really loved that they connected on values. They both really loved their family. Um, they both really cared about people. They both enjoyed having fun and new experiences. They both felt really heart-centered, but also you know real and liking to have fun. They really played it up during the show that you know their parents might... Or, her dad might not like him. But then we found out later in the reunion that he was telling her the whole time, like, I'm going to win your dad over. It's all going to be fine. They just didn't show that on the earlier episodes because it would take away the dynamic tension and the drama of it. Um, and she, they made it seem like she was not sure that she was really on the fence and maybe she was, or maybe it was just how it was edited, but I was so happy at the end when she said yes. And it looked like they had a really great time. I also loved how he was just really calm and really steady and showed his emotion. I mean, he think he was the first guy to cry. I think all the guys ended up crying at some point, but he was the first guy that I believe cried, uh, that they showed cried. And it was great to just see and feel him connect to his heart in that way without losing any of his strength and his clarity and his presence. And it just makes me excited to see men that are connecting to their heart and connecting to their emotions. So I loved Lauren and Cameron. I wasn't sure if she was going to say yes, because there were times when she seemed not fully in it. Like she was afraid to let herself go into it. But I appreciated that she set the pacing. You know, sometimes as women, we think, oh, the guy wants this and this, like either he wants it to be really fast or he wants it to be really slow. And we just have to just deal with that. But she, she said, you know, I'm not sure. She was honest about things that she wasn't sure about. And she kind of slowed him down and gave them both a chance to pause, which I really liked. Um, and Don says, I love that. She said, I love you first. It felt really real. Yeah. She was so cute. I loved that she was vulnerable, but also vulnerable about not being sure about the pacing of things or feeling like it was a little fast or, um, needing time. Like she, she, she was con contemplative a little bit, which I, which I appreciated. They both felt like they had pretty secure attachment style. It seems like Cameron was really secure. Lauren was pretty secure attachment style, maybe a little bit avoidant, but again, it was within a month. Like they, they had to get married. It wasn't, it wasn't that she was ever avoiding him or not sure about him. It felt like it was more that she wasn't sure if she was ready to get married yet, which I totally, totally understand. So if you're just joining, we're talking about the TV show, Love is Blind. I was obsessed with it. It was so fun. We're talking about each couple and each relationship and some of our um, nuggets or, or pieces of insight. So let's talk about Amber and Barnett. And let's just talk about that whole Barnett thing <laughs> to begin with. I really want to like profile this, um, this situation because it's what happens a lot in dating. So Barnett was talking to three different women and for all three, he was saying things like, well, when we get married and you know, um, when I propose to you and I'm not saying that every man is like Burnett because it's not, 
But too often as women, we do what either Jessica or Elsie did. Like Elsie and Barnett, they had a lot in common. And she was, it felt like kind of playing the cool girl. Like everything that he was saying, she was kind of agreeing with. And they just had a really chill, relaxed vibe. And she was really funny and he was really funny. But he kept saying, you know, she feels like my sister. She feels like my sister. And it seemed that she was allowing him to lead the conversations to such an extent that she lost herself, that she wasn't able to disagree with him on things. And so, yeah, to me, I'll see my heart goes out to her because she even said something at the end like this always happens to me. You know, I always don't get chosen, but I felt like she lost her voice and she didn't really um, speak up in ways that she disagreed with him or things that they had differences. Like it's so important in a couple to still have some individuality and not just totally merge. But she seemed like everything was just easy and nice and, and simple, but it wasn't enough. I mean, he kept saying Amber scares me, but he ended up choosing Amber, you know, it's not like men can't be with a woman who's strong and feisty like Amber is. So I don't want us to think that we have to be just sweet and docile. If that is more your personality, you are just more sweet and reserved and laid back. That's totally cool. But don't be afraid to have your own differences or have your own truth and, and speak that because it's so easy to get into like the brother sister, brother sister zone. Um, so that was the thing about Elsie. And then about Jessica, I mentioned earlier she kind of took Barnett's word for how he felt about her. Like, oh my gosh, she's going to propose. And she got really excited and attached to that instead of saying, okay, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Like maybe he'll propose, maybe he won't, you know, I'm going to make sure that I'm staying connected to myself and staying grounded and not get um, too swept away into the future. Don says, what I loved about Amber is she was the full extent of herself. And I love that she, he picked her because he liked the growth she brought. Yes. So Barnett did end up choosing Amber and not Jessica and not, uh, Elsie. Elsie felt like brother, sister, kind of too much of like, I'm going along with everything you say. And we have so much in common and people do not choose each other based on commonality. They choose based on emotional connection and polarity or like adding some differences, um, having some differences and they respect each other in that way. I was also surprised that, that Barnett chose Amber, but it seems like she keeps him on his toes and she has her own very, um, interesting blend of feminine energy, you know, really like brash and crass and not afraid to say whatever's on her heart and whatever's on her mind. But she moved, she moves her body in a way that feels very feminine. Like she seems very in her body in that way. And I think even though he hadn't seen her, I think that quality comes through. I love that she was both an ex-military person, but also, you know, like all these other things. And she was not afraid to, um, to claim him. And, and she wasn't claiming him in front of other women like he's mine. But, you know, in her mind, she was like, oh, yeah, I've got this. So she had a bit of confidence that I really liked. And like Don said, she was not afraid to be herself. Um, yeah. What else did I want to say about that? I mean, it feels like in terms of I like to look at their attachment style or what I think might be their attachment style. It feels like for Barnett, he had more of an avoidant attachment style. Like he liked the idea of, you know, having a relationship, but he had never really had a relationship. He tended to flirt more and not open his heart. And what really changed their trajectory is when Amber was really honest about her last relationship and also what she needed. She said, you know, in my last relationship, 
I got pregnant. We were engaged. He didn't want to keep the baby. And it wrecked me. Like, I can't go through that again. I need to know that whoever I'm with is going to be okay with it, having kids and if I get pregnant. So she was vulnerable about her pain from the past. She was vulnerable about what she needed. Um, And I think that that awoke something in him of like, yeah, I need to take this seriously. I can't just, you know, break her, break her heart or pretend that this is really casual. So that's the Barnett thing. I think he's a little more avoidant. I feel like Amber is more secure in herself, although maybe a little bit anxious at times, like like we all can be. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, it feels like Jessica was more of a, a bit of an anxious attachment style, more, more so than Amber. And Elsie also seemed really secure. Elsie and Barnett both seemed really secure attachment style, but there just wasn't enough chemistry and there wasn't enough spark and there wasn't enough vulnerability. Everything was just kind of fun and playful, like playing the ukulele together, but nothing deep. And if you only have a little bit of time with each of these people, then, then yeah, go deep and ask those questions and and get what you need and get what you want. So the last couple diamond and Carlton, uh, I thought was really interesting because he withheld a big piece of himself and I can see why. Um, He withheld some things about his sexuality, but I also can see why she was hurt that he didn't bring it up sooner. You know, would it or wouldn't it have changed her opinion on him? I'm, I'm not sure, but that relationship totally exploded in Mexico. That was really, really dramatic. Probably the most dramatic part of this whole, of this whole show. But what it shows to me is if you have something that you feel is a big deal or, or that you want the other person to know, share it earlier so that they can make that decision. And if they're not into you because of something from your past or a preference that you have or your sexuality, then, you know, they're, they're not going to be your person if they can't accept that. And if they don't, if they don't understand that, but both of them really, I feel like lost touch with who they were under stress. They, they disconnected from their bodies. They disconnected from each other. And, you know, he, he wouldn't give her the time and space to process like Don was saying, but she, I don't feel like was also really hearing him at least on the second day. Like they, they connected, he shared what was going on. She needed time to process. He was upset with that. They came back the next day to process. She was still processing, but it wasn't in a really connected way. You know, she was like, I'm have a lot of reservations right now. And then I think he felt judged and he felt defensive. And so they both like, um, went their separate ways. Sometimes things come up in relationship where we need to process. Ideally, we don't take that much time and distance to process. Like we stay together in some way to process, maybe not in the same room, but we stay energetically connected to, to our partner. Um, there's something called the couple bubble, which Stan Tatkin talks about. Like if something comes up, keeping your couple bubble and resolving it together as best you can. Um, but maybe it just wasn't going to work in this situation, but it feels like he could have brought it up sooner. He could have given her more space to process. She could have maintained an open mind and got really curious, asked him more questions about it. Like, Oh, you know, tell me more about that. And what have you experienced and what feels different about this? And, you know, what is it that you love about, about our relationship or what feels different about our relationship? So they both could have gotten more curious about, about each other. So let me look at my notes because I took some notes, um, about this, about the show. Um, Yeah, I just wanted to reiterate that it feels like the show really took off when both people opened up, but oftentimes it was the woman who opened up first. 
she brought up something vulnerable or something emotional first, and it really captivated the man's heart. And then it also seemed like the women were the ones who had a bigger challenge with accepting the other person and the way that they looked or the things that they had from the past. So maybe as women, we do tend to be in quotations pickier and we can understand why men are a little bit, um, reserved or a little bit more, more skeptical. If you haven't watched it yet, I encourage you to watch the show because three out of the five couples ended up together. Two of them are married. So 60% love was blind. And it makes me feel really excited for, um, the possibility with online dating and other things like that, where you're building emotional intimacy first, just like during this time of the coronavirus, treat it like love is blind and build that emotional intimacy and see, see where it goes. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review.